So the cornerstone to this space that we are in was laid after worship on Sunday, June 27th, 1954. And ever since that date, this space, in one form or another, has been a sacred space for the community of believers called St. Simon's Presbyterian Church. This has been a space that countless people have shuffled into and out of to worship, to sing, to pray, to laugh, to cry. This is a space where our loved ones have come to celebrate their lives at last and where we have celebrated too at those mountaintop moments of life, such as the wedding that Annie referred to, which happened here just last night. As many or most of you know, this space has just completed an over year and a half long renovation. This is literally the fourth time that we have worshipped in this sanctuary since sometime in the fall of 2019. And so we thought that this would be a time where, as a church, we might consider again what it is that constitutes our sacred spaces and what it is that constitutes this sacred space. We thought that during this season of Easter, which we have just begun, we would wonder together what it is about our pews, about our chancel, about our table, our font, about our organ, what it is about this pulpit and this cross that make this space something more than just a room. What story Do these pieces of liturgical furniture tell about who we are as a church, both past, present, and into the future? And most importantly, how does this sacred space shape the way that we are called to live our faith out in the world? And so we begin that series today with what is perhaps the most practical and the least comfortable piece of furniture in most sacred spaces that we call a sanctuary, our pews. And we will engage in this wondering about what it is that pews function as in our life of faith by hearing words of scripture from Ephesians, the fourth chapter, selected verses from the beginning of that book. So friends, let us listen now for a word from God as we hear these verses from Ephesians. The author writes, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body 
and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in a moment of prayer? Good and gracious God, send your spirit now. That it would fill this space in which we sit, but that it would fill to the space in each of our hearts. Indeed, God, we pray that through your spirit, the words of my mouth, And the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and glorifying in your sight. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I found myself going down a bit of an internet wormhole this past week. And what I discovered is that the history of church pews is a rather fascinating thing. Most interesting to me was the realization that for most of the history of Christendom, say the first millennia and a half or so, roughly the time of Jesus through the 1500s, nearly everyone who came to church did something that you all are not doing. They stood. Think of the medieval cathedrals spread out across Europe these vast, open, cavernous spaces. And in hardly any of them will you find a single pew. In fact, it was only relatively recent in the history of many of those cathedrals that you would even begin to find chairs filling those spaces. Instead, that vast, empty floor mirrored the movement of the ancient Christian mass which always reached its pinnacle in the celebration of the weekly Eucharist. People would come to church and they would stand there in that space, maybe mill about. They would listen to the liturgy, which was often delivered in Latin. And then when the time came to celebrate the Holy Eucharist, they would all move forward in mass, unencumbered by any benches, or other obstacles that might get in their way. They would move forward in that nave to the altar where they would receive the elements. It really wasn't until the Protestant Reformation when that pinnacle of worship being the Holy Eucharist was gradually replaced instead by the pinnacle of worship being the sermon that pews first began to make their appearance in sacred spaces. As one article I read put it, 
churches and sitting in church in particular didn't really become a thing until parishioners got bored enough to wish that they were sitting down with all of that yammering about Jesus. But ever since we began sitting down in worship, the objects on which we sit, pews, they have become part of the story of who we are individually as followers of Jesus Christ, but also as communities, as the gathered body of Christ. To understand what I'm talking about, I think it's most helpful perhaps to think about the view of pews from the perspective of the pulpit. Just an hour ago, if I were to walk in here and look out, all I would see are empty benches. But now I look out and I see faces and stories. I see the faces of people who are younger and people who are older. Really what I see are eyes for the most part. I see eyes behind which there is the wisdom of age and the curiosity of youth. I see some eyes that perhaps stayed out a little too late on Saturday night. Annie and I were at the wedding reception last night, and I think we both left at about 9 o'clock, but it felt like midnight to us. I look out and I see people whose homes I've been in, big homes and small homes and in-between homes. I look out and I see Republicans, and Democrats, and don't you dare label me Kratz. <laughs> but I also see stories underneath those basic labels. I see people in these pews who have known tragedy in their lives, and people who know what it's like to receive a second or even a third or fourth chance in life. I see people who know the anxiety of parenthood, something I'm told does not go away when the kids finally fly the roost. I see people who are grieving, even after all these years. I see people who feel adrift in one way or another unmoored, reaching, grasping for anything to hold on to. I look out and I see people who have seen the world and those who have hardly left their hometown. I see people of deep and rich faith. But I also see people whose stories are really a question, wondering if there ever was any faith for them to begin with. I look out, in other words, on these benches that hold all of that. They hold all of us. They hold our weight, yes, but they also hold the weightiness of our lives. And yet here we come, each week, 
Granted, we are in unusual times, but the time is coming again soon when we will all come and sit side by side. We will fill all of these pews again in the ways that we are used to. And when we come and sit side by side in these pews, we are reflecting something, whether we realize it or not, about our commitment as the body of Christ to do life together. When you think about that, there really aren't many places left in our culture or in our world like this, where people of so many different backgrounds come together week in and week out to do life together. Why is that? Why are there not more places like these pews? Pews not only in this church, but also in communities of faith just like this one. Throughout our own community and throughout the world. The reason why I think is because it's not easy, is it? And in fact, our reading today from Ephesians makes clear that it has never been easy to do life together. You see, Ephesians was not written to any one specific community. Many of the other letters in our New Testament were written to specific churches, to the church in Rome, or the church in Corinth, or the church in Philippi. But Ephesians, interestingly, is not addressed to any one community. It is a letter that some scholars believe was in fact intended to be an introduction to other Pauline letters, to other Paulinist writing. So when you get into it, you realize that Ephesians is recognizing the diversity of the church. It realizes that the church of Jesus Christ is one that is full of both Greeks and Jews, It is full of people who live on all sides of the Mediterranean, which at that time was the known world. It recognizes that in churches throughout God's kingdom, every week there are people who are rich and people who are poor. There are people who fit all of those different diverse backgrounds that we are so aware of each Sunday when we gather. And yet what is fascinating is when you read these verses, such as the ones we have just heard read this morning, Ephesians treats the diversity of the church, the diversity of the pews, not as a weakness, but as a strength. It even goes so far as to say that God has given us our diversity as a gift. Because when we sit together with people who are not like us, we are given the gift of this opportunity to recognize that the church is not one that comes together to achieve uniformity, but instead an opportunity to live with a unity that that rather recognizes God's reconciliation of all creation in Christ. That beautiful language, one body, 
one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of us all. God has given us the diversity of perspectives, the diversity of faces, of stories, the diversity of these pews here today as a gift. It makes me think of how I often find myself talking to people who are new to our church, perhaps interested in joining our church. And one of the things I often find myself talking to them about is how I think churches like ours, where there is this mix of people, churches like ours are one of the things that our world most needs in these times. I find myself talking to them about how when I look out on all of your faces and I see the diversity of perspectives, the diversity of backgrounds, and yet I also see people who love one another, who eat together. We love to eat together in this church, and we're going to get back to that one day as well but people who serve together, people who will knock on the door of someone who, without this church, they might not ever have the opportunity to know, to knock on their door with a meal in a time of need. That is a gift. What that really is is a church of people who are living out these verses who are bearing with one another. It's an interesting verb, isn't it, to bear? It almost suggests that it's not easy. And yet we bear with one another in love. Because the God we have met in Jesus Christ bears with us. As I mentioned, we have just finished this renovation of this space. And one of the hardest decisions that our building committee faced early on in the planning for that renovation was whether or not to keep the pews that had filled this space, many of them since 1954. There were a number of reasons that we couldn't do that, We tried in these new pews to bring in a lot of the old with end panels that were the same as the existing ones and with colors that were close to what the old pews were. But as a result, there was this day, really a week, that was both nerve-wracking for me, but also one of the most beautiful moments in my ministry here in this church. It was a week where we watched those pews walk out the door. We invited the congregation after our last worship service in this space before the renovation began to come and take a pew if they wanted one. The only caveat was they had to bring their own tools and their own trailer to get it out of here and their own people to get it out of here. It was nerve-wracking because as a pastor, when you watch the pews walk out of your church, you sure hope that other pews are one day going to make it back in here (laughs) to fill this space again. 
But it was also beautiful. Because now I have found myself being surprised when I show up to someone's house and they're on their front porch or they're on their patio or they're in their living room is one of the pews from St. Simon's Presbyterian Church. It's this physical, this visible reminder of our call as the body of Christ and as disciples, a reminder of our call to sit with those who are different, not just in here, but also out there. That we are ones who are called to live lives, to live lives that love those who otherwise we might not consider so lovable. It makes me wonder what it would look like if we all go home today and even if we don't have one of those old pews, if we imagined one of them there in our home or there on a trailer trailing our car, what would it look like if these new pews sent us out into the world in the same way that those pews which have occupied this space since 1954 have sent out countless people before us? What would it look like if we lived lives on this simple piece of church furniture? These two pieces of wood that form a back and a seat. What would it look like if we remembered that these seats aren't too comfortable because they're meant to give us rest, but then send us out. What would it look like if we took the rest that we receive each week in this space by God's grace and found the strength to go out and bear others in love? The world is in need of people who remember that a pew is not an object we sit on once a week, but a seat that sends us out to do the work of Christ, to love others in the same way that we have been loved. Friends, may we be those people for our families, for our friends, but most importantly, for our world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.